Hi, and thanks for tuning in to My Adventures at Home Brewing. I'm Dan Matthews, and come along with me as we talk about things for new home brewers, from gadgets to how we got started to, I don't know, all the mistakes we make along the way. So come along for the ride and have a beer or two along the way. looking for that yeast that can help you attain the best beer possible that you're looking for escarpment laboratories escarpment laboratories are located in guelph ontario and make some of the finest yeasts in canada if you want to make the beer that you want and have consistent results all the time you need to check out escarpment laboratories hey guys dan here have you ever had a problem getting your glass or plastic fermenter clean? Well, I've just been introduced to something that's brand new. Uh, it's called Scrubber Duckies. It's a magnetic scrubber meant for glass or plastic fermenters. All you do is you drop this down inside your fermenter, use the handle, and scrub through the crud that's left over from the crucin. I've seen a lot of things, but this is, seems to be one of the neatest and coolest things out there right now. If you're having a problem getting your plastic or glass fermenter clean, this is something to use. Scrubber duckies. Here we go. Hey, everybody. It's that time once again to go around the world one more time and the sun and have a beer or two along the way. Uh, it's Dan, and I'm here this week with One Hop Biatch Kelly, who is Ooh. someone I met while I was working with Brew Donkey uh, as a guest as I was a guide. So how's it going, Kelly? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. No complaints. No complaints. Excited to be here. There you go. Well, thanks for being on the show. So uh, how's life treating you uh, during the pandemic type season? You know, pretty good for the most part. I'm very lucky because I never lost my job during this and I've actually stayed consistently busy. So I've been very fortunate for that. But brewing, on the other hand, has been a bit of an issue because of COVID. So... <laughs> I guess we'll talk about that. Exactly. So just so you know, we can be a little more colorful with our language because this can be explicit on this podcast. So, oh, so have, we can. We can. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I drop bombs every now and then. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. It's all good. Well, if young, young children were listening or not. So. Yeah, my kids listen all the time. They don't, they're used to it. Dad's a soldier. Okay. Good. <laughs> don't good, worry about good. it. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into it. Uh, so basically a couple years ago, uh, that's when I started getting really into craft beer and started going to more and more breweries across Ontario. And then as I, as you can tell, I'm a very chatty person. Mm -hmm. So I started talking to more and more brewers and I kept asking them questions. And then they were literally like, Kelly, you should just take up home brewing. And then I'll, you can answer a lot of these questions yourself. So then basically a couple years uh, about a year ago actually I met some friends that were super into home brewing and they basically introduced me to it and then that's where I all started. Ah fantastic so uh, I did I do follow your fantastic Instagram account which is really cool so if you guys <laughs> get a chance check her out on Instagram one hot biatch really cool. Thank you. You're very welcome shameless plug <laughs> and um, you had mentioned that you went in, I think you did one brew on the Robo Brew. Yeah, so this was in February. And it was also probably the coldest day in February on a Saturday. And it was like minus 40. Oh, and we were Lord. in my friend Matt's garage 
all day from mm -hmm. 9 a.m. until maybe 7 p.m. I've never been so cold in my entire life. That's um, a long-ass brew day. What did you need? <laughs> I mean, there was three of us brewing, but I was just trying to make a pale ale using my robo brew for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I didn't bring my instructions. I was stupid and didn't do much research into it. I'm like, yeah, it's probably fairly easy. My friends, yeah, it's probably fairly easy to use. No, none of us could figure it out. So, so, so I will say this about the robo brew. It is, it can be the easiest thing in the world to use. Yeah. But it could be the most confusing thing as fuck to use as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like trying to figure out temperature control. Like yeah. sometimes it would get too hot. Sometimes it would get too cold. But then also the temperature outside wasn't helping. Yeah. We don't know if we were did supposed you, to put the lid on. <laughs> did, you get the, did you get the neoprene jacket for it? No. Ah, so, okay. First thing you got to do, get the neoprene, neoprene. Get, get the neoprene jacket because that will yeah. help you maintain your temperatures. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, is you got, um, you can set, uh, the timers on it to do like steps. So if you set it for your strike for a certain amount of time, you can have it get up to your strike temperature and then do your mashing. And then it, you can set it to see where mash temperature needs to be, say like 155. Right. You can set it for 155, leave the 500 watt element on. Mm -hmm. And if it dips, it automatically kicks in to maintain that temperature. Right. So, so your elements have to be on all the time. Don't turn those things off. Don't yeah, turn and I'm pretty sure we might have done that once or twice just by accident. Don't, don't turn them off. <laughs> so once you get that done, uh, one thing, uh, a couple of things that I do. Mm -hmm. um, just one, to make sure the pump doesn't get clogged. Mm -hmm. And two, to control how much shit shit or trub uh gets <laughs> gets transferred into the fermenter right so what i do is the malt pipe it's a great thing uh but i put it inside an extra large uh nylon uh bag which right. is meant which is meant for brewing and you put that down inside and it actually cl collects a lot like i'd say almost 95 percent of the solids oh so smart that happens at when you're doing your mash. So you know when you're in the mash and you're stirring away and then you take the pipe out and then you drain everything out and you have yeah. the false bottom and you got all that sludge in the bottom. Mm -hmm. Sludge is like, it's usually about, about an inch, whatever else left over. Mm -hmm. Now it's, it's barely a millimeter. Oh, doing awesome. it, doing it. And then the other thing is, um, if you don't want to do that, is you know those T-balls you can get that look like a ball? And yeah. they open like a half moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get one of those, break it in, break it in half, and mm -hmm. put half of it over top of the uh, manifold for the intake for the pump. Oh, okay. So then it acts like a strainer, and all it's okay. going to do is pull the the wart down through into the pump, recirculate it if you're recirculating, or into your fermenter, which is also going to one stop any hot particulate getting in. For sure. Sure. And, and any and any extra trub that you don't want yeah, yeah. so that, that's what i do to, to control that and that's probably the most wise advice i've received yet about a robo brew <laughs> oh this is, this is all like things i've done and learned along the way yeah i try to follow um the threads on the mob on mm -hmm. robo brews 
but I find people are so quick to respond on it. And then I get things out of order, out of order. And I have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm so happy they're passionate about it. Oh, don't get me wrong. I I love the mob, but the mob is the most dysfunctional group out there. (laughs) It's so true. true. I mean, they're a great bunch of guys. Don't get me wrong. I, I, and I will always tell people if you, if you want the most non brew club out there, yeah. Look at the mob. Cause look at the mob. Look at the yeah. mob. It, it works. Um, you need advice there. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes not so great. Um, there mm-hmm. are the odd person you have to tell them quite blank, blank, bluntly to go fuck their hat. But uh, I want to do that once or twice, but uh, don't, don't <laughs> just haul off and do it. Cause it's the people don't learn unless you tell them. Yeah. And there's lots of advice out there, but sometimes it's not always the best advice, especially because a lot of them deal with um, grandfather or with uh, their ki- their three vessel kegel systems or yeah. whatever it is they use. And I saw on uh, on a mob mailing list the, the umpteenth million emails I get in a day. In a day, uh, some guys. Oh, how do I use a robo brew? I'm like, oh, I don't. What's the center pipe for? And I'm like really? <laughs> All right. So I said, well, the center pipe is, is you actually your, like your mash tun and mm. you use it to mash in. And then once that's done, you lift it up, set it on top, and then you let it drain. And then you sparge over the top. Yeah. Easy yeah. peasy. All, all in one system. That's what it's meant to do. Yeah. So I haven't heard back whether or not I'm going to get my hand slapped for being kind of, I don't know, condescending, but... <laughs> Oh, I doubt it. People yeah. are so rude on there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Robo Brew is a great thing. I've been, de- believe it or not, my very first beer on it, I did a Bass clone, and okay. I, I I didn't have a the, the British beer. Yeah, I, okay. I love I, I love British beers. Uh, well, just dark beers in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, predominantly, they're from the UK. That the ones I really enjoy, but. Um, I started going through it, uh, and the sparge got, oh, not the sparge, but the mash got stuck. The sparge got stuck. I'm like, what the hell am I doing wrong? I was in there with, uh, the plastic, uh, 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 mixing spoon that comes with your initial brew kit broke that. Yeah. I had to go digging for the broken part with the part that wasn't broken to get it out of the mash. I'm like, mm. oh my God. So Yeah. If you can invest in a good stainless steel mash paddle, will do. That is a that is a wise investment. Um, one one thing you should do while when you're mashing in though, is also turn on the recirculation pump and start hydrating not only from the bottom but also from the top, mainly because as you're hydrating from the top, it's already sinking down, and if you're in there already mixing, you're mm-hmm. letting that water get through evenly is what I find. And in the last, oh my God, it's been last year, it's been a year now since I've had that thing. And I, it's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fantastic. So now, now it's your turn. Ah. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> so, what are you finding with your process that you're having issues with? Oh, okay. Sorry. There we go. 
Um, so the problem is that since I live in a small space, um, I actually have to rely on other people to brew. Um, so I find that extremely frustrating because there's days in my head where I'm like, all right, I'm going to make my Defalco's order. I'm going to ask my friend to like take me there to pick it up. And then I find out a couple days before, oh, never mind, you actually can't brew because of COVID because they're either going to see a family a family member within two weeks. Right. Time. Right. Or another issue is, oh, it's COVID. I decided to renovate my house, so you actually can't. You can't. Come okay. And, and I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> so. Uh, do you have your own washer and dryer or is it shared in your building? It's shared, yeah. Okay. Is there um, a slop sink or a, or a laundry sink in where your washer and dryer is? No. No. Okay. Uh, inside your apartment, can you attach um, to the faucet any way, shape, or throne? Is it, is it yeah, threaded? It, yes, it's I threaded? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you can brew in your apartment. Okay. So what you're going to want to do because uh, if you looked with your uh, immersion chiller, uh, mm -hmm. I, th uh, did did you have to buy the the silicone tubing? Yes, or, I did. Okay, so what you're gonna want to do, if you're gonna do this in your apartment, is mm -hmm. you want to go back to Defalco's, and double the size of the amount of silicone tubing that you got. Okay. And then you're gonna want to tell them you need a piece. Uh, or a uh, female connector that can go on to a faucet. Because mm -hmm. then you can attach that to your kitchen sink faucet and then run the other end into the sink. And that right. way the water gets circulated and then, then goes straight down into your drain. So you, oh, can't, okay. so you can brew in your apartment. Oh, that's awesome. And you don't get I cold. Need... You, no, don't get cold. Don't you don't get freeze cold. your ass off. Don't freeze my butt off. Coldest there you go. I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and the other thing is, there's a couple other things you may want to consider doing. Um, and to help with um, cooling it down, uh, I run the pump. So mm -hmm. it pulls from the bottom and recirculates to the top. So you're pulling down all the hot on top of the cold. So it's like yeah. a comp, which is going to speed up how fast the temperature drops. Right. Right. Um, or was, uh, what was the other part? Oh, and you may also want to look uh, down through, I think it's more beer in the States and get the uh, Whirlpool arm. Okay. Which, uh, so you'll, you'll do is you'll take off the uh, recirculation arm. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes time for, the, for your wart chiller to go in, you'll put the Whirlpool arm on, open up the valve all the way, and it causes it to go in a circular motion. motion. Then all that stuff that's on the bottom plate gets pushed into a cone. Oh. Into the center. Cool. Okay. That way you're also controlling how much uh, waste or how much uh, debris can actually go into the pump. Perfect. And it makes it so much easier to clean up as well. Yeah. See, that's the best news ever. Because <laughs> I was trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, I can brew in here. Oh, I can figure it out. And then I was just thinking, I'm like, I don't know if I actually can. <laughs> no, you, no, absolutely. If you have uh, a faucet where you can hook up, like say like a garden hose or something to it, you mm. can brew in, you can brew in your apartment. Absolutely. Oh, and you'll have the, and I swear to God, you'll have the best smelling apartment out there. Oh, amazing. 
Yes. <laughs> so when you're doing your hop additions, what do you, do you just dump them into the actual kettle or are you actually using anything to hold them? Oh, well, what we did was just, we just threw them in. That's basically <laughs> Yeah. See, like I said, I didn't do any of my research. and So yeah. you're going to want to get small nylon bags. Okay. Nylon Nylon bags, best friend, uh, mainly because you can do your hop additions in that, drop it in, mm -hmm. and you'll leave it in there for the, the whole time, even during the whirlpool and everything else. And then when it's all done, you left it, lift it out, and you've got this big blob of rehydrated hop mush. And get a, get a good set of rubber gloves, mm -hmm. twist it, and then squeeze it to get all the extra liquid out. Okay, squeezing a bag is not a good thing, but still, um, yeah, we went there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're going to squeeze it for all it's worth to get all that crap out. And you're going to do the same thing for the mesh bag that you had the malt pipe in too. And then it's all it's left is just solid debris that you just dump into your composter. Even better. Love yeah. compost. So good. only thing I would say is with the um, spent grain, is mm -hmm. that if you have a, a, a plastic kitchen bag, yeah, like a garbage plastic garbage bag, make sure it's well drained out. Okay. And then dump it into that and then take that straight to your outdoor compost area and okay. drop it there because otherwise after a couple of days, it will get a little funky. That sounds Okay, that sounds good. Because my next question for you is actually, I've been learning a lot about brew bags. Is that something I should invest in for apartment brewing? Uh, brewing a bag is, is a good way to do it. I think, um, my buddy Coulter is going to give me a smack for this. Um, that's where I learned them from. <laughs> <laughs> so brewing a bag is, is a good way to do it. If you're trying to control, um, I guess how much debris and everything else is there and you want to control it and take it out and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't done it, so I really don't have a whole lot to say to it. Um, okay. But I would say, um, if you look at Homebrewing DIY on their podcast, and yeah. just uh, reach out to Coulter, tell him I told you to, I told you to reach out to him, and he'll be more than willing to help you out. Um, only reason why I don't do brewing a bag is because it's it's just a bunch of extra steps that I don't want to have to deal with. Okay. Yeah. No, um, that mainly because you have an all-in-one system. So you have your kettle, you have your mash tun, and a brew in a bag. All your, all to me, all it is is that you have your kettle, and then you're putting all your stuff like into the bag. And okay, well, yeah, well, there's my yeah. mash tun, and I'm pulling it out, but it's just going to increase possibly the amount of mess. Yeah. The, okay. the purpose of the rubber brew is one to keep everything condensed and control how much mess there is. For sure. Yeah. And how much waste. Yeah. So that's, that's my two cents. No, that makes sense because from what I was understanding and I clearly misunderstood, I thought a brew bag would make the cleaning process a lot easier. But now after hearing you, it sounds like it just be extra steps that yeah. I don't want to do. <laughs> I mean, you have a, a really good system and mm -hmm. I, I think it's more or less getting to know it than starting to look at other ways that you can brew. Um, I mean, if you want to try brewing the bag, absolutely talk to Coulter. 
he, mm-hmm. to, to me, he is like, I, I ping him for questions left, right, and center when I have questions about anything. Him and uh, Brian Huntley from Short Circuited Brewers on YouTube. Oh, yeah, he's great. I love his YouTube videos. Yep, he's going to be on the show soon. Ooh, yes. He was like the first guest I had on the show. Yeah, I know, but I'm excited to tell him that. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about pressure fermentation. So that's something you might want to consider eventually. Oh, yeah. Because then, you, because then you can do lagers at ale temperatures. Oh, cool. Yeah. Lagers is something that's definitely on like my brew bucket list, but I know for a fact you can do that anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you using for fermenters now? Um, so basically, I'm just using carboys. Um, glass which, or like, plastic? Glass. Okay. So I'm going to ask you. Okay. Would you want one of these? This is a glass or plastic carboy cleaner. I would love a scrubber ducky. That All sounds right. great. <laughs> All right. So I will send me an address and I'll hook you up. All right. Sounds good. But I also been learning a lot about keg fermentation. Yep. And being an apartment, do you think that that would be a good option for fermentation? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Keg fermentation. It's they're 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 cheap to get them used. They're maybe f- between fifty and 80, 80 bucks. <clears throat> okay. As then all all it is is that you take off uh, your gas in valve or post. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find the right size of uh, vinyl tubing. Mm-hmm. Jam it in there. Make sure it's sealed up properly, and then put the other end of that tube into um, a jar of uh, sanitizer, not water, sanitizer, mm-hmm. because that way no, no bad stuff can get in. And there's your blow off tube. Okay, perfect. And it's going to do its thing. Um, I don't do that, but that's how it works. Um, what I use, uh, I use the, by the people from Kegland who make the robo brew. <laughs> yes. I hope you're listening Kegland. This is not the first time I've tried to get you on the show. Um, <laughs> shameless. I'm absolutely shameless. Um, I use um, their uh, Firmzilla conical plastic fermenter. Oh, cool. Okay. So what it is, is it's a seven gallon uh, plastic conical with a collection jar on the bottom mm-hmm. that, uh, that you can use uh, with an, either an airlock or if you buy the pressure kit, it comes with a gas, gas in valve and a liquid out valve. Mm. And it comes with a floating dip tube. So if you're going to be fermenting in kegs, mm. you're going to want to ditch the solid spear uh, dip tube that, co- that it comes with completely right. okay. and get a floating dip tube. Okay. Mainly because once everything's all done and you've started to carbonate, mm. that floating dip tube is all it's going to do is pull clean beer all the way down until you hit the, the yeast cake. Okay. What I like about the RoboBrew is, is that I can, I can dry hop with it, everything else. And it's no fuss, no muss. Um, It, it took a little bit of like anything, a little bit of getting used to how it works. But once I figured it out, it's, it's been great. And I've been doing a lot of pressure fermentation because I can turn a beer around from grain to glass and carbonate it inside of a keg in six days. That's so awesome. Because mm-hmm. pressure fermentation allows me to get a beer done in max, maximum four days. Dang, that is crazy. 
Mm -hmm. Most people is usually at least a week to two weeks. Yep. That's normally it take, I'd say two weeks is always the safest thing to do to do because then you're, you're sure all the active mm -hmm. fermentation is done and, and away you go. Um, with pressure fermentation, as soon as your airlock, I'm assuming you're using an airlock right now, stops, yeah. stops bubbling. Yeah. You're good. With pressure fermentation, um, you have to have a way of gauging it. Sure. So I use a, a tilt hydrometer. So oh, okay. I, dr I drop that inside of the actual vessel, seal it up. And not only does it tell me the temperature that I'm fermenting at, but it also tells me what the gravity is. Right. Right. So as soon as it stays stable for like, I give it a, like two or like two or three days, make mm -hmm. sure that the gravity stays stable at the same point. Once that's done, it gets transferred into the keg. Then I slap CO2 onto it. Perfect. So would you say a tilt hydrometer is worth investing into as a beginner home brewer? Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say if you're like, I'm a gadget geek. I admit it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to be, I'm not going to like, Turn it to, no shame. I am, I'm totally a gadget geek, mm -hmm. but I will say this. Um, if you cannot read a hydrometer properly, mm -hmm. a, <laughs> a digital hydrometer and thermometer is a good way to do it. Cause all you need to do has uh, have an old iPod or uh iPad or an old uh, cell phone you don't use, put the app on it and dedicate it solely to that. And it works through Bluetooth. Oh, amazing. Oh. So, so all you need to do is make sure that the, that your device is plugged in mm -hmm. so it doesn't die. And then it's going to take readings for you and whatnot. And if you want to have it logged to say a Google spreadsheet or whatever else, it'll do that for you every 15 minutes. Right. Okay. So I use, um, it's called Brewer's Friend online. It's like a cloud oh, soft. They're great. Absolutely. They're absolutely, absolute, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, you can check out my, my page is Dog Hair Brewing Company. <laughs> Dog Hair Brewing Company. I love that. Yes. Yep. I'll totally check you out. Yeah. And a, a lot of the beers that I've done in there are all ones that I've like, I found and I tweaked and made my own. Okay. Cool. So it's a good way to do it because you can actually bring it in, then you can scale it to where you want it and change things, change certain malts for other ones you want to try, change hops for other hops that you want to try. So mm -hmm. it's really cool. And then you could also create it. So um, whatever you spend or create a, like a, an inventory or whatever you have, you pull from your inventory and it, it'll tell you, okay, you're low on this for your next beer. You're low on this for your next beer. You're low on this for your next beer. Oh, that's incredible. That's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted it because I figured it would help me make lists and help me plan my brew better. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, no, I'm very excited to be part of Brewer's Friend. Put the app on your phone because you can do your brew sessions through your phone. And when you do it and you click brew and you go to your um, brew session, you have a choice to want to enter your logs and which will get updated into the cloud, but it also gives you all the timers for when you need to do stuff. So sure. it'll say your boils for like an hour and 10 minutes. Then you'll say your first edition is right at 60 minutes. A timer will, will beep. Then you just hit pause, do your edition and you go from there. I, I, use, I use it like, like it's going out of style when I'm brewing because 
it's it's like better than sliced bread. No, that's awesome. Because another one that my friends use is beer smith. Yeah, beer smith. It, it it is that and it's that's like the OG <laughs> of, uh, of uh of brewing software. Yeah, uh, I can kind of tell by the website. Like, uh, it's like yeah. runs off the wall. Like, I'm kind of. <laughs> Um, it don't get me wrong. It, it for what it is, it is extremely powerful. It's extremely good, but if you're not used to using that style, or if you're yeah. not, a, I think it was mostly geared to pro brewers. That's mm-hmm. my opinion. It could be as confusing as hell. Yeah, yeah. The ones that I suggest people use is obviously Brewer's Friend because I've i found it extremely easy to use, yeah, or. Or Brewfather. Brewfather. Okay. Yeah. I was but, trying to debate between the two. And I was like, oh, Brewer's Friend. I've heard more about it. So yeah. I was, I'm just going to go for that one. Brewer's Friend, I find, is a lot, it's, um, a lot more user-friendly. You have forums that you can go into and you can ping the community for, with questions for help. And you usually get responses within like five to ten minutes. Yeah. Which is, which is fantastic. Um, what else do you want to know about? Um, well, I'm just going to say one more thing about Brewer's Friend before I forget that. Yeah, go ahead. One of my favorite things is someone who's, you know, looking for recipes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do, in my head, two weeks from this weekend, I'm going to do a brew by myself here in my apartment, taking the information you got. My favorite thing is when you click on somebody else's recipe and it tells you how many times it's been brewed. And I'm like, that's how I know. I'm like, this recipe must be pretty okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's my favorite part. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. 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 So that's my favorite part. So if you like stouts, check Mm -hmm. out, check out mine. Cause I just did a chocolate espresso oatmeal stout. Ooh. Was your espresso beans locally sourced? Uh, I got it from a local roaster. It's it's called Papa Bean. He's actually, he's a, he's a local guy from up in the Valley. And um, he goes down south when he when he was able to before everything got shut down, and he would go to the plant the coffee plantations and he would source his beans through them and then import them. Oh, that's so awesome! Yeah, so I got uh, espresso from him. I made a fresh espresso, a pot of espresso the night before I brewed. Uh, let it cool down, put it into a mason jar, sealed it, then I put it in the fridge to make it cold. Oh. And, then, um, and then when it came time to add it. It went straight into the fermenter. Ah, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah, I was always wondered. Like that's some of the stuff I'm a little confused about. When you make a specialty beer, I don't know when you add the additional ingredients. Like if you want to make a yeah. coffee or you know, like a fruit beer or something. That's where I get confused to where you add those ingredients to make it said beer. Okay, so when you're doing something like like the espresso chocolate espresso beer, there's a couple ways you can you can tackle it. <clears throat> One is you can add you can recirculate um, the uh, the beer on ground coffee while it's going through the boil that way, or you can do it the way I did it. Okay, I find the way I did it it's a lot easier. And, yeah. and you know exactly how much you're putting in. Oh, that's perfect. Um, for the chocolate side of the things, uh, I use cocoa nibs that I roasted. I 
yeah, roasted inside of the oven until I they smelled like brownies. Then oh. I then I smashed them all up, put them inside of a mesh bag. I love mesh bags, and <laughs> then and then that went into the last twenty minutes of the boil to get oh. to extract all of it out. Or if you don't want to do it that way with the actual uh, cocoa nibs going into the boil, mm-hmm. make sure that. One, you spray that bag down with sanitizer. Yeah. Put the cocoa nibs in that, tie it off extremely tight, and just drop it inside the fermenter. Okay. Okay. That that, and then away you go. If you're going to do a fruit beer, mm-hmm. so the, the thought is, is usually that you go from primary to secondary. Secondary, yeah. You don't, you don't need to do that anymore. Oh, really? Okay. Really. So what I do is when I make my blueberry cream ale, I'll get two bags of frozen blueberries, mm-hmm. thaw them out completely because you need the frozen fruit to make sure that, because they'll get flash frozen and it'll kill any pesticides or anything that are, or critters that are yeah. on it instantly. And then they're considered sanitized. And then you're just thawing them out and then putting them through a blender. And then into your fermenter right okay. away. Right then right. you're going to transfer all your beer or your wort on top of that with your yeast, mm-hmm. tap it, let it go. Let it go. Perfect. And then you're done. Then you're done. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's the easiest way to do it. Okay. And then I'm pretty, I'm 95% sure I'm going to do a smash beer for my first beer. Okay. Um, what other beginner beers would you recommend that I try after my smash beer? Like, you think uh, I would say a single hop pail. A single hop pail? Okay. Yeah. So that, this, the reason why I say that is because then you can, if there's a hop that you want to try, you're not sure what the aroma or the flavor is going to be, you okay. can add it to your beer and then you can try it. And if you don't like it, you give it to people you don't like. <laughs> So true. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I be so nice. I'm like, oh, Kelly, it's so good. I'm like, I'm like yeah. you suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've, I've made an Amarillo pale, which was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I tried something a little different. I made a Northern Brewer uh, pale ale. And oh. At first, I was like, I'm not sure about this, but then you got hints of lemon and everything else, but then you got that kick of pine right at the back end, like, kind of like you would with, say, like Shaggin Wagon from Stray Dog. Oh, I love that beer. Yeah, so it's right up there. Perfect. I'm not big onto making IPAs, mainly because the last IPA I made, it kind of shit the bed. So I stick to what I know. <laughs> what you know. I stick to what I know. So are IPAs generally hard to make? I feel most of my friends don't make IPAs. So. Um, it, all, it all depends on, on the technical level. I mean, I think I bit off more than I could chew because I went straight to trying to making a New England IPA. So oh. so I was looking at uh, not only a, the like grain, but I was also looking at oats. So basically for all my grain, I had to add in almost three to four pounds of oats. Oh. So it got, things got clogged, things got stuck. And I was just like, uh, and then I didn't calculate how much water absorption the oats would do 
-hmm. And instead of having like six and a half gallons of wort to boil, I had four and a half. Oh, okay. So I was like, I hope this is right. But uh, when I boiled it, transferred it, and fermented out, and I got my my reading, I was like, ooh, this is not good. The alcohol level was like 11%, not yeah. the not not the 8% it was supposed to be. Yeah. So it took, I took, I'm like, okay, I took a sip and I'm like, oh man, I'm not driving tonight. So <laughs> just one sip is all I took. One sip is all I took. But even at that, I've got a couple bottles in the basement and I'm looking at them now. And then went from that kind of nice hazy color to being like, yeah, you're getting dumped color. Oh, okay. And then how long do you think a batch of beer would last if I was to make? So where's the, or- where's the coldest darkest place in your apartment other than your fridge oh um my closet okay okay so what you want to do is find like a closet or something that has like an outside wall to it okay and then you can put in there because the temperature difference between there and what your actual apartment is going to be is going to be quite different Mm -hmm. so you put it in there and i'd say homebrew should last a couple months couple months okay that's pretty good yeah yeah, just because the first brew I made was actually a Festa brew, mm-hmm. just to learn. And I'm very thankful that I did it because I learned the importance of sanitation because I thought, I'm like, this is what you do. And the person I was with was like, absolutely not. I was like, nope. oh, so then I was so prepared for that part when I used my robo brew. <laughs> but um, yeah, so basically the... I think that I still have like a little bit of it left, but I have zero desire to drink it now, but no, that's good to know because I wasn't sure how long I should keep yeah. it. So yeah. I'd say the rule of thumb, if you don't like it, you don't want to drink it, but bye. Foster. Okay. Toss it. Toss it. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, that sounds good. The cool thing about what you're doing is you know, what you're considering about brewing inside of a keg is that that is also now becoming your serving vessel. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because then you just need a spot to put it in your fridge or somewhere, or it'll get a little like beer fridge. Beer fridge, put it in there, and then you just get a picnic tap mm-hmm. and a CO two cylinder. Cool. Because you're gonna need a CO two cylinder to give it head pressure and also carbonate it while it's inside the keg. Okay. Because then all you do is you open it up. There's your there's your little tap. Fill your fill up your uh, your glass. Mm-hmm. Do a little little tap and make sure there's nothing dripping. Coil it up, and you're done. And once the keg's done, you take you take the picnic tap off. You take the CO2 tap off. Take it out. Clean your keg. Bob's your uncle. Sweet. No, oh, it's 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 actually it, this is one of the coolest hobbies out there. It, yeah. You know, so, but I will say this um, is that you're one of the few female brewers that I know. I'm I'm starting to learn that, <laughs> definitely, just in general and in, in brew world. Um, one thing, like going back to the mob, um, I find it extremely intimidating as a woman. That's why I don't speak up a lot of the times or like, I think I've sent one discussion and I don't even know if it got saw. Like, you know, mm. it just was such a, so I find that it's a great resource, but I actually, I'm like, is there any other women in this? I feel like I haven't seen a woman's name. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many ladies there are in the mob. I, I think it's predominantly dudes. Um, yeah, definitely. And 
there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Just personally, I would like to see more female brewers out there, mainly because some of the women that I've seen that are pro brewers down in the States are freaking kick ass. Yeah. And it's absolutely awesome. A documentary you should look at um, is based on all female brewers and it's a, um, a society down in the States called uh, Pink Boots. Pink Boots. Love so it. Look them up and yes. it's, it's really, really cool. And I think um, you can also Google like uh, there's like the, the, a few society drink beer drinkings. Oh yeah, ladies. the drinking society of yeah, yeah. Uh, beer drinking ladies. Yeah, society there's, of beer drinking ladies. That's yeah. what it is. And there's probably some brewers in there as well. Yeah, actually, um, speaking of them, um, so there's actually a beer group that's all women called Barley Angels here in Ottawa. Yep, I know them. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I went to their one meetup and it was because Beyond the Pale was releasing a beer for International Women's Day and we were invited to mm. go and test it and learn about the reasoning behind it. But just being there, the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies was making a beer with the Barley Angels, but then COVID happened. And, and they got shit canned. Well, they got, most of them got to do it, but unless like I was... I go into an office every day yeah. and a lot of the women who are primary members actually have um, immune system issues. Or, yeah. That makes, that make, and that makes sense. Yeah. So that was another thing. I was so excited to learn how to make a brew and, you know, beyond the pale, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll put this offer out to you. Uh, this weekend at my house, I'm having Alexi from Brew Donkey coming out. Uh, oh, you're so nice. yeah. yeah. You're more than welcome to come out and join us for brew day or we're going to be making a irish red okay so you're more than welcome to come out we'll t we'll talk offline and uh sure. we'll sort out the details but you're more than welcome to come out and you can see how i do things that way you have a better idea of what the robo brew can and cannot do for sure i would absolutely love that I'm, i have zero plans this weekend so this works sweet <laughs> i mean it's covid so <laughs> welcome to the world of covid yeah, yeah, COVID in Ottawa. Uh, <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap things up because we've gone a little long, which is that's totally fine. Oh. Um, it's all good. Like I said, it's just a nice, easy talk and talking about what we experienced and things like that. And that's what homebrewing is. It's getting to know friends, making friends, and passing on what you know about making beer. For sure, yeah. Thanks so, so much for having me on here. Yeah, no problem. Um, you're somebody I definitely admire in the beer community and it was actually a great honor that you asked me to be on your show. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, that's like, like, like pumping up my ego or anything, but still, um, it's all good. <laughs> it's not like my head's already inflated from doing this, but it's all good. Um, Coulter, don't make any conclusions here. Um, so, uh, with that said, Thanks a lot for coming out, guys, and a beer or two along the way. This is Dan and Kelly saying thanks a lot, and we'll see you on the other side. Bye. So I'd like to say thank you to Kelly, the one-hop biatch, for being on the show and sharing her experiences with her uh, just starting out with homebrewing. So guys, you know, uh, go check her out on Instagram and on Facebook. She has a really cool site. Uh, lots of stuff about beers and things that she's tried. Hopefully now she's gonna start posting about some of her 
brewing experiences in Hintkelly. So yeah, thanks a lot, guys, and uh, thanks for coming along for the ride and a beer or two along the way. And uh, you know, we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>